This Sunday for me is one of the favorite times for us to come together as a congregation of believers. Now I love every Sunday. There, there's a there's a great anticipation I have of being able to come together and fellowship and rejoice and recall what God has done for us and what he's continuing to do. I think we have that opportunity every Sunday. But there's something I think special about what we have termed Send Sunday. Now I know I have to say that carefully because some of you think I'm saying Sin Sunday and you're trying to think it's a, a moment to take all the liberties you would like to sin, you know? But this is Send Sunday and we are sending out so many individuals, whether it be our high school seniors or some of our college students or so many others who are getting prepared, especially at this time of year, to go intentionally, to go intentionally into other areas, in other contexts, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. We wanted to celebrate, as I think John has said, well, we wanted to celebrate what God is going to do with our high school seniors. And I was thinking through just where they're going to the university or the college and thinking about how God could use them in those areas. I mean, Louisiana Tech, I mean, we understand that God can use them right here in our own area on our campus. Would you agree with me on that? You say amen. I believe God can, can use you if you're at Tulane. I think there are probably some folks down there that need to know about Jesus Christ as well. Don't you? Would you say amen? I know I know they're unbelievers down at LSU. I've met so many of them. So we know that they can be used there. And let me just say this. Let me just say this. I think that God can use you even if you're going to the third best Baptist college in the state of Mississippi, Mississippi College, because there are a lot of unbelievers over there as well. I know it's a Baptist school, but look, MC, all you got to do is meet Dale, a graduate, and you'll understand, all right? <laughs> we know that God can use you wherever he takes you, and that's what we believe. And we believe for our college students right now that God is using them in the context, and he's going to open up greater doors, greater opportunities, whether it be this summer or beyond. And that's what we want to celebrate. And we want to be reminded that what brings us together in this effort is the gospel. The gospel is what we center ourselves around. The gospel is what empowers us. The gospel is the message itself that we must take wherever we are. A few months ago, when our staff came together, we prayed that God would multiply us this year. You've heard me speak about that over the last few Sundays. And we talked about wanting to multiply in our relationship with God. And we have given attention to that over the last few months as we looked at the book of Psalms. But we also prayed that God would multiply us in our outward relationships. In other words, that God would challenge us and strengthen us as we go out as messengers of the gospel. We wanted to see God multiply. I mean... You look, so many ministries and things that we're up to, we, we see how our people, how the individuals that call themselves believers here at Temple Baptist Church, how they go out, whether it be in this community or mission trips, we, we see that all the time. But we said to ourselves, we want to see God multiply that. We want to see God multiply our efforts. And that is a challenging goal for us. Again, with all the different things going on, how could we multiply? I think as we grow, though, as God works within us, he can multiply 
his effectiveness, our effectiveness for the gospel itself. And that's what we're praying for today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans. Over the next few weeks, as we talk about multiplying outwardly, we're going to look at selected passages from the book of Romans. Did you hear me say selected passages? Some of you will come back, maybe. We're not looking at every verse of the whole book. You know that means we'll be here for the next five years in the book of Romans on Sunday morning. But I want us to look at selected passages because really the book of Romans, it reminds us of the centrality of the gospel, of the power of the gospel. As Paul fleshes it out for us, as he reminds us what the gospel is, as he really challenges the Romans themselves to be the living sacrifices that God wants them to be. I want us to look at this book, and I recognize again how important this book has been upon the life of the church, especially as it spoke to individuals' hearts and lives, and especially as it, as it moved them out into missions. Just ask Augustine. Some of you have heard that name. Some of you who are a little more, um, uh, well, the social elite, Augustine. Maybe Augustine or Augustine, however you want to say that. Just ask Augustine. It says that as he was there thinking about his life and thinking about what, where he should go, that he heard a child in the neighboring garden. He heard a child saying, take up and read, take up and read. He took up the scroll that was right before him and he read, what did he read? A passage from the book of Romans. And he said, in that moment... In that moment, he felt the freedom of Christ. In that moment, darkness was carried away and a light infused his heart with security. Ask Martin Luther about his study of this book. Martin Luther was teaching the book of Romans. Teaching the book of Romans. And as he was studying it, he realized how important it was to accept God through faith and faith alone. And he began to stand for that gospel. Ask John Wesley. John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement. John Wesley, who was an ordained minister. Think of this, an ordained minister. But he was so confused about the gospel. He was so confused about what it meant to have a personal experience with God until he went to a Bible study one night and he was studying through the book of Romans and God spoke to his heart and he experienced genuine salvation. I recognize how God has used this book in so many ways, so many significant ways in church history to call us back to the gospel. And I pray that it would, for us as a church, challenge us and help us to move outward as we share the good news. Notice these first few verses of the book as Paul introduces himself to a church that really doesn't know him very well. They've not met him face to face. He's not founded them. One of the only two churches that he writes to that he did not found. And this is what he says to them as he's introducing himself. He says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. 
grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In typical ways, Paul, he, he gives us this sentence that is full of meaning and actually full of the gospel itself. These seven verses comprise one sentence. English teachers, don't you just love this? One sentence that Paul gives us. As he fleshes out, I think, the gospel. And this is what he says. He says up front to this church, I have been gripped by the gospel of God. Paul had been gripped. He had come into the power of the gospel of God. And it had convicted him and it had changed him. Even in his introduction, even in the way he identifies himself. He says, I am a bondservant. I am a slave, he says. And I am an apostle. What does the word apostle mean? At its, at its very basic meaning, it, it signifies being sent out. An apostle is a sent out one. Think about that. He said, I'm a slave. In other words, I'm obedient to Christ. But I am the one that is being sent out. And I have been separated to the gospel of God. Been separated to the gospel of God. Now, you know the background of Paul. He was a Pharisee. He'll even say, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I've, I've kept the traditions. I've kept the ritual. I've done all that I should do. Pharisees were separated in their conduct, in their life, by the law, by their works. They wanted to be good enough. They wanted to keep the law. They wanted to do all those kinds of things. But note this. When Paul came to know Christ... He was not separated from everybody else by the law, by his works. He was separated primarily because of the gospel. The good news that had occurred in his life. So what is the good news? Well, in New Testament days, this word gospel or good news, it was really used to capture any type of good tidings or good announcements or good messages. It was the euangelion, they called it. It was the good message. It might speak about a new king, a new king that had come, and people would go out and give the good news. Or maybe of a victory that had occurred in a military battle. They'd go out and they'd tell the good news. An announcement, kind of like a graduation announcement. That's pretty good news, right? I thought y'all would say amen. I've never heard any of you say amen, I don't think, but I thought you would today. That is good news that you have graduated and you've sent out announcements and you want everybody to know. That is good news. Well, the gospel of Christ is so unique. That means one of a kind. There's nothing else like it. In all of the good messages you might receive, there is nothing like this one. And what is it? The good news, the gospel, is that Jesus Christ has come. He has provided for us salvation. He's provided for us efficiently so that if we come to him in faith, we can know what true life is. Forgiveness. Read through those verses again. In these verses, Paul says that the gospel was promised by the Father through the Holy Scriptures. That's what he says here. He says that the Father had promised, he had promised this salvation in this gospel through all of the scripture. You go back and look at the prophets. You go back and hear the message of the Old Testament. God had a plan the whole time. 
God is not just reactive. He knows what he's doing. Even, even as sin overwhelmed Adam and Eve in the garden, even then God had a plan. Even then, what were we told? That the seed of the woman one day would, his heel would bruise the head of the serpent. Some people call that the proto-gospel. The very first message, the very first indication of the good news, God was going to do something through Christ. And then throughout the prophets, whether it's Isaiah or Micah, throughout the prophets, the message was that God was going to intervene. What Paul says is that the gospel had been promised by the Father through the Holy Scriptures. What Paul says is that the gospel had been presented by the Son in the fullness of his life. And activity. Think about this. The gospel. The gospel is what? The gospel is Jesus. I mean, if you were to talk about the content of what the gospel is, it is Jesus. It's his life. It's his work. It's his sacrifice. That is what we celebrate. That is what gives us power and life. It was proclaimed... The gospel is proclaimed by the Spirit through the resurrection itself. I want you to note what he says here. Verse 4. Declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So here in this passage, it is assumed that Jesus Christ died and that he rose again. And that the resurrection was the validating statement upon Jesus' life to say, He is the one. And through him, you can have life. And Paul and all of the believers, they personalized that gospel. They accepted that gospel. The gospel had gripped them and it changed them and transformed them. Jesus Christ, his life, his work, his resurrection had made all the difference in who they were. I want to say to you this morning that the gospel has to grip us. It has to challenge us. It has to take reign in our lives. That good news. Now, I believe that there are so many good things that we're about as a church. But may I suggest to you that the only thing that we should really be about is the gospel. That somehow the good news of Christ, his life, his work should play out in our lives. The gospel had embedded itself in the life of those believers. We should be gripped. That's what Paul says. He says, I have been gripped by the gospel. He also recognizes that the Romans had been gripped by the gospel. Verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, 
that I have often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. He recognized that the gospel had gripped the Romans. We don't know exactly how the Roman church was established. I mean, Paul had not been there. I do not think Peter had been there to this point. Some suggest that maybe on the day of Pentecost, when all of these people from all of the world had accepted Christ, that they went back to their own areas, maybe even to Rome, and they shared the good news of Christ. Because once the gospel has gripped you, you can't help but share about it. I mean, if it's good news, right? If it's good news, why would we not want to share that with other people? And Paul said, I am indebted. I, I, I want to I preach what God has done. Now, some of you say, well, that's good for Paul and Reggie and for John and for so many other preachers. That's good. Y'all, I mean, you all like to talk and you like to just. But for us, if you are a believer in Christ and God has changed you by the gospel, the good news, then he has called you, he has compelled you, he is working in you for you to share the good news of Christ. If it's really that good to you, why would you keep it to yourself? Why would you keep it? To yourself. So many of us, we talk about sports. And I can talk about those with you. Right now, I don't want to talk about Ole Miss, though, at all. I don't care. Bad weeks lately. Don't want to talk about it at all. But if something's happening, something's good, what do we do? We share about it. Hey, did you hear so-and-so won? Did you hear so-and-so did this? Did you hear this? We do that. But according to our, well, at least our beliefs, we say that we have the best thing. In Jesus Christ. We have the best news. And if that is the case. Why do we not tell more? Why do we not let folks know. The good news we have. In him. Well. Paul said I was indebted. It's similar to this idea of. Going out and borrowing money. From someone. For someone else. Because. Paul says he's indebted to the Romans. What, what does that mean? It's kind of this idea of like he had received something he didn't deserve, something on loan from God. And what he was supposed to do is take that and he was supposed to give it to the Romans and to those he came in contact with. Kind of like if you go to a bank. I see some bankers who are here this morning. Let's say if you go to a bank and you say, I want to borrow some money. They look at you, you come in, you've got a smiling face. They, they say, hey, we can trust this person, maybe. Doubt it, but maybe they could say something like that. And we'll just give you money right here. No papers, no anything else. You take that money because you need to borrow that money for somebody else. You really want it to help somebody else out. That means that money is not really yours if you're borrowing it for somebody else. All you are just kind of the well, you're the one who's carrying the money. You're going to dispense it when you get to that other person. 
That's basically what the gospel is. God has given us this great good news, and we are to carry it, and we are to give it to those that it really needs to impact. Those that are lost. Well, Paul also, he, he talks about how he wants to see Rome. And I think he's wanting to go to this city of a million or so, and he wants to just preach the gospel. He wants to be sent. He wants to see what God would do. You know, one of the things that I've been excited about at Temple Baptist Church, obviously is the send emphasis, but particularly as it has demonstrated itself in our college students. Like this summer, several of our college students are going, and they're taking internships, Maybe they're going to um, mission teams or they're going out of states or maybe they are even taking intentional internships in their workplaces. As a matter of fact, I think we have video. I want to show you a few of these folks. I want them to introduce themselves to you just quickly, okay? Hi, my name is Carissa Allgaard. Amber Hilburn. Finn Langley. Adrian Raymer. Gabrielle Crockett. Aaron Carson. Brennan Edwards. Aaron Robertson. Tim Gregoire. Caroline Davis, Caitlin Robinson, Ashley Crook, Brett Bushnell. We're going to Chicago! Hi, my name is Jenna Price. Colin Neal. Hannah Moore. We're, We're going, going to Grand Isle. Hi, my name is Matt Beard. Hannah Sell. Riley Thompson. Hagen Couples. Abigail Sellers. Tyler Pitson. Ashley Reynolds. Kate Hall. Jessica Tabor. We're going to St. Louis. Hi, my name is Chris Turner. And I'm Meredith McWhorter. And we're, we're going, going to, to Thailand. Thailand. Hello, my name is Spencer Morris. Ben Fuller. Rebecca Fletcher. Courtney Bilberry. Rachel Gotro. We're, we're serving in West Palm Beach. I'm Abby Baker, and I'm working at Camp Harris this summer. My name is Reagan Pearson, and I'm a camp counselor at Pine Cove this summer. Hi, my name is Bailey Fournier, and I'm working at Camp Fuego. Hi, I'm Amanda Lavetti, and I'm going to be a summer camp staffer at Cedar Springs. My name is Kelly Doty, and I'm the preschool intern at Broadmoor Baptist Church. My name is Jennifer Cook, and I'm working at Young Years Daycare. Hi, my name's Caroline Kinder, and I'll be doing international missions in Honduras this summer. My name is Emily Head, and I will be working at Calvary Baptist Daycare this summer. My name is Olivia Lower, and I'll be the music intern at Temple this summer, and I will also be working at Glenwood. My name is Greg Laborde, and I'm doing work as worship in West Virginia for Artiman and Associates. My name is Connor Scott, and I'm going to be a college intern at Temple Baptist Church. I'm Jackie Witter, and I'm going to be the college intern at Temple this summer. Hi, I'm Kelly Dixon. And I'm Destiny Maxwell. And we're going to be children's interns here at Temple this summer. My name is Scott Felder. I'll be participating in work as worship at Nico Industries in Hammond, Louisiana. Hi, my name is Joey Fairley. I'll be working at the Bad Ridge Airport this summer for work as worship. Hey, my name is Allison Brister, and I'm going to be interning in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol this summer. My name is Jacob Brister, and I'll be spending the summer in Nashville working in Fuge. My name is Brett Hooks, and this summer I will be interning with Enterprise Holdings. Amen. If you're uh, going this summer, if you're working intentionally, maybe internships, whether it's here in our community, in the States, or overseas, would you just simply stand right now? Y'all can be seated. How blessed we are as a church to be able to commission them this morning to recognize their work. I tell you, for you as uh, seniors, for you to look across and recognize that in college you can make a difference for the kingdom of God, 
How encouraging is that? And one of the things that we are blessed with at Temple Baptist Church that you can continue in such a way and be encouraged by these examples because they've been gripped by the gospel, been changed, been transformed. And when you're changed and transformed, as I said, you want to go. Just, just, like, just like Paul said, to the, to the unbelievers and to the believers, to the unbelievers to let them know, again, that they can be saved through Christ Jesus. But you know, when Paul was talking to the Romans here, he said, also, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you. Now, some of them were believers. Some of them were believers. Why would, why would Paul want to talk to believers about the gospel? Because you never get past the gospel in your life. If you're saved, you'll never mature past the gospel. Rather, what you recognize is how the gospel is applicable to every day of your life. How the good news of Christ and his life and you, how it should work out in your relationships. How the good news applies to our business practices and our work practices. How the gospel informs us of how we should live daily. You and I never get past the gospel. We simply grow in him as we understand how the gospel applies to our hearts and our lives. Well, the reality is when we come to Christ, we're gripped by the gospel. I mean, Paul was gripped by the gospel. That's what he said. The Romans have been gripped. And today, basically what we say is we're gripped by the gospel. Because look at those last two verses. For us today, that verse 16, verse 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. He says, everybody, everybody can know the gospel. They can be gripped by the gospel. It doesn't matter who you are. Or your background. Earlier in this passage, verse 14, he had said it's for the Greeks and the Jews. For those on the frontier. I think that's really what he means when he talks about the barbarians. Those people on the frontier. And those people, they're living in more civilized areas. Whether you're out there on the frontier. Maybe it's Spain in that day and age. Because Paul was wanting to eventually get to Spain. Which was the frontier whether it was there or right in the center of the empire, the gospel was the power. And wherever you go, whatever you do, whether you're in Los Angeles or Chicago or Detroit, whether you're in Thailand, whether you're in Nicaragua, wherever you are, that same message of Christ is the power of God's salvation. And how do people come to it? Through faith. Through faith. There Paul speaks about faith. How it is the beginning and the end for our lives. Faith, trust. How the just shall live by faith. A quote from Habakkuk. That it's the faith that we have in that good news. Now, that verse about believing for everyone who believes, for everyone who has faith. Because so many individuals, even in our churches today, they have all the head knowledge. They have all the head knowledge. But it's not about how many questions you can answer about the Bible. It's about whether or not the good news, the gospel, has, has penetrated your heart and your life 
And you have submitted and surrendered yourself to him. We don't have a verb that correlates to faith in our English language. You know, we don't go around and saying, hey, I faith you. You've never said that, have you? So you just look at me like, ooh, that is weird. I faith you. Faith is not a verb in our English. But it was in the Greek. We translate it believe. But it's more than this. It means a total surrender and submission to Christ. That when we hear the good news of Christ, we submit ourselves to it. And we continue to surrender ourselves to his good news every day. Because it begins with faith and it ends with faith. So I'm not going to presume everybody in this place today knows Christ. I think that would be, that would be very dangerous of me. To believe that everybody in this place has been gripped by the gospel. But what I do believe is the Spirit works in your life and, he's, and He convicts you today in this place. You can be gripped by the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross, He rose the third day, that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, that if you confess, if you believe, if you have faith, that you can experience life now and eternally. I believe you can be saved. And for those of us who are saved... May we glory in Christ today. May we allow the gospel to guide us in our relationships, in our activities, in everything that we do. And listen, whether we're in high school, college students, if, if we're in the workplace, may we live sent by God to those around us to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. May we be those people sent by him. Let's pray together. Father, I praise you today. I thank you that you sent your one and only son for us. Your one and only son for us. To save us up from our sins and to save us to eternal life to abundant life. And God, I pray for everyone in this place that's of the age of accountability that your spirit is striving with, speaking. Lord, I pray that they would know you, they will have freely accepted you and trusted you. And that if not, Lord, today they would come give their hearts and lives, surrender their self, themselves to you. God, I pray for those of us in this place that were gripped. Lord, we were literally compelled by the gospel to see transformation, to see work in our lives. And God, I pray that you would help us to live sent right here in Reston, or whether you intentionally plan us in other areas of this nation or the nations themselves. Lord, may we demonstrate the power of the good news in our lives as we declare you the only great one worthy of praise. And Lord, be with us and speak to us during this time of reflection and invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?